0: Hello and welcome to another broadcast of The Simple Truth, an outreach of Eye on the Crown Ministries, a ministry whose purpose is to present the Word of God in a dynamic and easy to understand manner, so all men, women, and children will hear the good news of Jesus Christ and accept Him as their Savior and Lord of their life. Often when people think about accepting Jesus into their life and becoming a Christian, the first thing that comes to mind is what they will have to give up and the things they can't do. This is a misguided way of looking at what your new life as a Christian will be like because the benefits you gain will far outweigh anything you think you will have to give up. These are benefits that you can only receive from the grace, mercy, and forgiveness that only God can give you through His Son, Jesus. So I invite you to take out a pen and paper as we take a wonderful journey through the Word of God with your Bible teacher, Weldon Green, as he presents the sermon series, 21 Benefits of the New Life, based on the book of Romans, chapter eight.
1: those of you who can, turn with me in your Bibles over to the book of Romans, chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. And I'll be reading to you from the New King James Version of the Bible. Hear the words of the Lord. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus And the words of the Lord are blessed. Now, Father, we thank you for this opportunity to share your word with your people. And we pray that their hearts and their minds might be opened and be receptive to your word, that you might be glorified and that they might be blessed. In the precious and holy name of Christ, we pray. Amen. You know, as we begin this new year, people around the world have vowed, that this will be the year that they start a new chapter in their life. Now, some plan to change the way that they eat, the way that they dress, the way that they act, or even the way that they look. Others have even gone as far as to vow to change the type of people they associate with. And although these things are good to do in any situation, they don't always lead to the type of happiness that person is hoping to find. Because they are only new coverings put over an old sinful nature. And eventually the stain of that old person seeps through that new covering and undoes all the efforts they've put forth. Now initially it'll seem like they're very successful in making their change. But eventually the excitement of the new way of living wears off and they're right back to their old bad habits and way of living. It's like trying to put paint over a water stain without first using primer. Eventually, the stain seeps through the paint because there's no primer there, no foundation to keep it covered. Or it's like trying to fix a a cracked engine by putting in some type of engine sealer. I mean, it may stop the noise for a little while, but eventually The noise is going to come back until the real problem is addressed. Now, when I was in college, I bought a a used car. It was a a Fiat model car, and I paid about $1,200 for it from a less than reputable dealer uh, who shall remain, remain nameless at this time. But I had worked all summer to save my money so that I could buy myself a new car. And you can imagine the joy that I felt when I drove it home that day. But the excitement didn't last long. See, several months after I bought the car, the engine started knocking and it it was leaking a lot of water and and oil. And when I took it to a repair shop, it was discovered that someone had put some type of engine sealant in the engine to stop it from from knocking and to keep it from, from leaking oil and water. In other words, I had been swindled and, and, and I had been deceived. Well, I took the car back to the less than reputable dealership and I told him about what was discovered. And his response to me was, well, you bought the car as is, so you can't return it. So you can imagine how discouraged I was and how upset I was that I was now stuck with this car that had a knocking engine and leaked oil and water every time i stopped and that was the beginning of my experience driving what i call a hoopty and that's the way it'll feel when you try to change your life by yourself without the help of god see the new change may be exciting and enjoyable for a while but unless the root of what problems you are trying to change or fix are addressed Eventually, the old you will come back like a clanking, cracked engine block, and you will be living a hoopty kind of life. But see, in Romans chapter 8, Paul talks about a new life that is not dependent on your efforts and self-will to make a change and become a better person, but it's dependent on the power of God and His Holy Spirit He contrasts the difference between struggling with the flesh, as he describes in chapter seven, and victorious living through the spirit in chapter eight. Now, Paul knows all too well what it's like fighting day in and day out to live a religious, good and strict life based on morality and the law, which really represents trying to change yourself. And that is why he cries out in verse twenty four of chapter seven o wretched man that i am who will deliver me from this body of death see paul realizes that the power of the flesh is just too great for us to handle alone and St. Paul opens up chapter 8 by addressing the situation that he posed in chapter 7 when he spoke about not being able to overcome the power of the flesh. A rebellious human nature lives in each and every one of us. Whether we are saved or unsaved, but the spirit nature of God only resides in those who are associated with Christ and are identified as his children. It is the spirit nature that helps you to overcome the human nature. And in chapter 8, Paul identifies 21 benefits of having a new life that is controlled by the spirit of God. Now, benefits are something you receive because of your association with an organization or with a family or a person. And sometimes people choose one organization over another where they plan to work because of the benefits that they offer. Benefits like vacation days, sick time off, and bonuses. But you have to be associated with the organization or family to receive the benefit. And it works the same way with receiving the benefit God offers. To receive God's benefits to those that he only gives to his family, you have to be in his family. And to be in his family, you have to have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Now, despite what anyone says or what you have been raised to believe, there is only one way to God. And that is through Jesus. And I know some people will say that all roads lead to God. And Christians are narrow-minded for thinking that Jesus is the only way. But I fully believe what Jesus says in the Bible in John chapter 16 verse 4. Where he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man can come unto the Father but by me. So dear friend, the first thing you need to decide is, is if you're going to believe everything the Bible says or not. Because if you can't believe everything that the word of God says, then you shouldn't believe any of it. Especially when Paul talks about the 21 benefits you will receive when you become a member of God's family. Now I know that may be hard to accept, but I just ask that you pray about it and ask God to show you the truth. In Romans chapter 8 verse 1, Paul starts off by listing the first benefit of having Christ in your life and being associated with God's family. He writes, "There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus." You see the first benefit of the new life is the freedom from judgment and condemnation. Now notice that these scriptures does not say there is therefore now no accusations. Against those who are in Christ Jesus, because there are accusations and to tell you the truth, many of the accusations against us are true. See, people will always be able to bring something up about your life that you did wrong, either in the past or in the present, because no one is without sin in this life. And Satan will always make sure that people remember the bad things that you've done. And he'll try to turn God against you by bringing these things up to God all the time. Revelations 12 and 10 says that Satan accuses the brethren day and night before God. So this is nothing new. But Jesus is our great lawyer in the court of heaven that pleads our case before God, the almighty judge. The Bible says in first John chapter 2 verses 1 and 2 my little children these things I write to you so that you may not sin and if anyone sins we have an advocate with the father Jesus Christ the righteous and he himself is the propitiation for our sins and not only our sins but also for the whole world and dear friend that big word propitiation only means that Jesus is the substitute he's the soothing factor in our sins before God. Now, not only is Jesus our advocate before God who pleads our case, but he has a special relationship with God the judge and he can get the charges dropped against us. All he has to do is go into a special session or sidebar with God the judge and show him the blood that was shed on the cross on our behalf. And when God sees the blood of Christ that was shed for us, He will drop all the charges. Now, people will accuse you of many things, but none of them can condemn you. So when they try to bring up your past, God will say the accusations are inadmissible in this court. In other words, those accusations can't be used against you because a plea bargain has already been made on your behalf by Jesus and you are immune. You are protected from all the charges. Now, notice That this verse doesn't say, there is therefore now no mistakes, no failures, or even no sins to them who are in Christ Jesus. Because Christians do fail and Christians do make mistakes. Take a look at the book of Hebrews chapter 11. We call it the Hall of Faith. Well, in this chapter, you will see name after name of faithful, God-fearing people who failed and made mistakes. Look at some of these names. Noah drank too much, Abraham was a liar, Jacob was a swindler, Rahab was a prostitute, Samson was a playboy, and David was a murderer. Look at the Apostle Paul who wrote this letter to to the Romans. He persecuted the early Christians and participated in their death. The Apostle Peter tried to kill a man and even denied three times that he even knew Jesus and then started to cuss. The list goes on and on. But God did not condemn them. As a matter of fact, he counted them among the faithful because they recognized their sins, confessed them, and they asked for forgiveness. If you knew all the shameful, sinful things I've done in my life before I became a Christian, you would be appalled and wouldn't want to listen to me. But when I heard the truth of God's word, I realized that I was a sinner and was on my way to hell. So I confessed my sins before God and asked for his forgiveness. Therefore, there is now no condemnation against me. And the Bible says in Romans 3 and 10 that there is none righteous that is none without sin. No, not one. For we all were born in sin and shaped in iniquity. And you know, I bet there are some things in your life that you don't want people to find out about because of how sinful and how shameful they are. But unless you confess them before God and ask for his forgiveness, you are under condemnation from God. Now, notice also that in this verse, it does not say there is therefore no pain, no suffering or no consequences to them who are in Christ Jesus, because there are. Paul lets us know in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, that those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. People may call you all kinds of names and do all kinds of things to you, but they cannot condemn you. See, being a Christian does not mean that you will never have problems again or that life won't go sideways on you from time to time. You will even have to deal with the consequences of the bad decisions that you made before you became a Christian. But none of these things will bring about condemnation from God against you. Not only will God not condemn you, Matthew 5 and 16 says he will delight in your life because you will bring him glory and praise when men see the good works that you are doing in his name. Now, we all have things in our life we're not proud of. We hide skeletons in our closets, and we try to sweep our dirt under the rug. But when you become a new person in Christ, those things will no longer be held against you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. Now in verse 2 of Romans chapter 8, Paul tells us about the second benefit of the new life in Christ. And that is, you are free from the law of sin and death. The law that God gave to his people in the Old Testament was never meant to save them from eternal damnation. It wasn't meant to justify them either or make them righteous. It was meant to point out their sins so that they would act better. But it was always dependent on their strengths and their willingness to follow the laws. And then Paul goes on to break down this second benefit into three statements about the law. The first statement he makes is the law cannot claim you. In verse number two, see when you were once known by what you did, you will now be known by who you are. You are a new creature in Christ, reformed and made in his image. You should no longer try to look and act like what the law says you should look and act like. You are now living a life on a higher level, a better life that is not limited by what the law says you can do and cannot do, but by what God's grace commands you to do and that you will gladly do out of love. See, the law can no longer claim that it owns you as if it was your schoolmaster still. You are in a new relationship now with the spirit of Christ, and he treats you like a son or a daughter. You will live by grace and truth, which gives you freedom to worship when and where you want, to approach God in prayer when and where you want without needing a priest or anyone else to pray for you. You can make a mistake and know that if you confess it, turn from it, you will be forgiven by God. The next statement Paul makes about your freedom from the law is that the law cannot condemn you. Look at that third verse. See, the law was not bad or weak in itself. In fact, it was good and needed for the purposes for which it was intended. But it was the flesh of man that was weak and could not keep the law. So it brought about guilt, punishment and condemnation. But no longer can the law do that because God already paid the penalty for your sins on the cross. He came to do what the law could not do. Romans 8 and 3 tells us that God sent his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh as a sacrifice for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, which the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. Because you now have the benefit of being in Christ and his Holy Spirit in you, God is not going to judge you again for the sins Jesus already died for. That is called double jeopardy in the Fifth Amendment of the United States Constitution, which means being prosecuted twice for essentially the same crime. Romans chapter 6 verses 10 and 11 says, For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives... He lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. In other words, the law cannot condemn you. The third statement Paul says about the law is the law cannot control you. Look at verse number four. Paul realized that as long as the people were trying to control the flesh on their own, there would be a constant conflict in their body. And eventually they would get tired of trying to act good and, and give in to their old ways. But if they surrendered to the spirit, the law couldn't control them any longer. Paul described that battle with the flesh in chapter seven like this. He says, for what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, That I do not practice, but what I hate that I do. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. In these scriptures, You can hear the continuous internal struggle the Apostle Paul dealt with is the same challenges and temptations you and I deal with on a daily basis. However, the new life in Christ frees you from being under the bondage of trying to live a Christian life by your own strength. The difference between living according to the law and living according to the spirit is the same as the difference between being religious and being in a relationship with Jesus. The law represents living a religious life where you follow a set of rituals, doctrines and traditions. It's all the things you do to be a good person and earn your way into heaven. And although there is nothing wrong with doing these things and striving to live a good life, but if it is only being done by your strength and without Christ and his spirit in your life, you will eventually fail. James chapter 2 Verse 10 says that if you choose to live by the law and fail in just one of them, then you are guilty of all of them. In other words, you can try to live according to the law and the rituals as much as you want, but once you fail in, all, in one area, you're guilty of, of all the areas as if you had been living a sinful life all alone. But when you allow the Spirit of God to control your life, You have a relationship with Jesus that is not dependent on how good you can be, but by the sacrifice he made to free you from the power of the flesh. There's a story that is told by Dr. Charles Stanley, the pastor of First Baptist Church in Atlanta, Georgia. Dr. Stanley tells the story about one of his seminary professors who illustrated God's grace through their final exam. Dr. Stanley says, as the professor passed out the exam, he told the students to read every page before beginning the exam. As the students began to read through it, they realized how hard it was and, un- and how unprepared they were to take the exam. Some of the students read through the first two pages and got so discouraged, they turned the test in blank and left. Some began working on it without reading it through and struggled for almost three hours trying to complete it. But those who followed the instructions and read the test all the way through before starting it saw a note on the last page from the teacher that said, You have a choice. You can either complete the exam as given, or you can just sign your name at the bottom of the page and turn it in, and by doing so, you will receive an A. Those who read it sat stunned for a while, but then realized that the teacher was serious. So one by one, they signed their tests, turned them in and got an A. But there was one person who read through the whole test, saw the note from the teacher, but decided to do the test anyway because he didn't want any gifts. He didn't want to be given anything by anyone. He wanted to earn his grade. And he did just that. He earned his grade. He got a C plus, even though an A was available to him. Romans chapter eight, verses one through four is like God's message to us on the last test page of life. All those who follow his instructions will receive his grace and mercy. But many people will give up because they are impatient and do not believe his words or believe his promises that all you have to do is accept him as your savior. And they'll think this Christian life is just too hard to live and they will lose out on his grace and his mercy because they'll just give up. And so they'll go through life mad at God who loves them so much and only wants to give them an A. Then there are the ones who will feel they have to earn their way into heaven by being religious or moral and doing good deeds. They try their best to earn God's approval, but unfortunately, they will never measure up and get a perfect score because of their sinful nature. Then there are the ones who will believe his message and do what it says to receive this free gift of salvation and the benefits of the new life in Christ. And for those people, they'll get God's aid, which is his mercy and his grace. The Bible says that we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and that the wages of these sins is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ Christ. Our Lord, And the Bible goes on to say that if you confess your sins, he'll be faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And dear friend, it's as simple as that when you are a member of God's family and you accept these benefits of having the new life in Christ. Well, listening friends, that's all for this week. I know we only got the two of the benefits, but I promise you, they only get better. So I pray that you will tune in again next week. And I hope that this week's broadcast has been a blessing to you and has encouraged you to either seek a closer relationship with God or accept Jesus as your Savior. There is no greater or more fulfilling decision you will ever make in your life than this. Beginning anything new can bring about both feelings of excitement and nervousness because of the uncertainty of the outcome, especially when it comes to life-changing decisions. And God understands, and that's why he shares with you through these scriptures all the benefits you will receive when you become a part of his Christian family. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past or how long you've tried to change your life on your own. God will willingly and eagerly accept you as his child today. The Bible says in Romans chapter five, verse eight, that God directed his love towards you. That even while you were still a sinner and couldn't help yourself, he sent his son Jesus to die for you. That's what I call unconditional love and acceptance. So why don't you accept Jesus into your life today? The Bible says it's as simple as acknowledging your sins before God and asking him to forgive you for those sins. Then ask Jesus to come into your life and be your Lord and Savior. For the Bible says, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, I invite you to visit our ministry website and explore our other resources at www.ionthecrown.org. Also, feel free to send me an email through the contact us link on our ministry website and let us know how the broadcast may have made an impact in your life or what we can do to improve them. Your input will be welcomed and greatly appreciated. Now, thank you for listening and join me again next week for part two of the sermon series, 21 Benefits of the New Life. Now, have a blessed and prosperous day. God bless you.